This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. On today's episode, we're talking about eyelid surgery. Dr. David Yannick is a plastic surgeon who practices in Midland. Health Dose asked Dr. Yannick, what is eyelid surgery? I would say my practice, the most common reason people come to see me is they don't like the tired, heavy look of their upper eyelids. They also have impairment in their ability to see, particularly their superior visual field. This is kind of for the patients that when they're reading, so they're looking down and they're reading, they lose their place easily because of the obstruction from the heaviness of their upper lid and brow. Are there also conditions where your eyelid is tilted in such a way that your eyelashes are irritating the eye? Yes, there is. That's typically seen with the lower lids. You can have the eyelid rotate in, which actually places the eyelashes in contact with the cornea, can become irritating. Those sorts of procedures to correct that as far as repositioning of the lower lid are definitely important to prevent corneal abrasion, corneal injury, because depending on where that corneal injury is, it could be in your field of vision. And if that ulcer is allowed to continue to progress, you could actually affect one's vision. So unlike a facelift or many other procedures that you perform, eyelid surgery is not strictly cosmetic. No, eyelid surgery is not strictly cosmetic. There are some functional benefits to that, particularly with the destruction of the visual field. This is where my uh, colleagues in ophthalmology as well as optometry assist my practice, Mm -hmm. Uh, because what they do is they can evaluate potential patient for the degree of obstruction. And what essentially it is, it's a device where the patient sits in it and it's kind of like a thousand yard stare and they flash little lights to see where in the visual field the patient can or cannot see those lights. And it gives you a roadmap. And then what they do is they literally tape their eyelid up and opens up and essentially simulates either a brow lift or a blepharoplasty. And we can determine to what degree that shows improvement. What's the cause of drooping eyelids as we age? What causes that to begin with? A lot of it is due to gravity as well as weakness in the muscles that elevate the eyelid, particularly the levator muscle that inserts directly into the eyelid. It gets weak. Those tissues get stretched out over time. Additionally, you get the development of additional skin, what we call dermatoclasis, that obstructs the vision in the upper eye, in the upper superior visual field. Are there some people who are better candidates for surgery than others? Candidates for surgery just depend on the nature of their upper eyelid condition. There are some conditions that are directly related to the muscles that move the eyelid. So the position of the eyelid is lower than it should normally be. There are some patients that their situation is more related to excess tissue, weight, and weakness. So that would be a different kind of procedure. And then some have a combination where it's not only they have the weight of their brow, they also have the weight of their eyelids. So it's just a matter of where the patient falls in the spectrum, depending on what kind of candidate and what surgery they would need. So tell me about the evaluation process. How do you evaluate a patient for surgery and determine whether or not surgery is a good option for them? So the evaluation in my mind is to basically see, to look at the patient and evaluate the position of their eyelid relative to their iris or the colored portion of their eye. That tells me whether or not the lid is in the proper position. Next, then I look to see the amount of excess tissue in their upper lid that may be contributing to that. So the, we call dermatoclasis or the sagging skin. And then third, I look at the overall position of the brow. 
Now, depending on what combination I see there, then determines whether or not I'll have the patient follow up with their optometrist or make a referral to one to test for superior visual field obstruction. You're kind of like a sculpturist, aren't you? I mean, it's a matter of mathematics and a little bit of art when you're doing this stuff. It's a lot of geometry, a lot of physics, and then additionally, just kind of getting an idea for where on the sculpture side, where the tissue just needs to lie during surgery in order to, you know, give the patient the most natural appearing result. So when you're doing the eyelid surgery, what are you actually doing to a person's body? So for a blepharoplasty, the incision in of itself is hidden up in the crease of the eyelid. So where the eyelid meets the brow and that extra skin is pinched out and removed. And then additionally, the tissues underneath that, I basically tighten them or heat them to contract them to make the upper eyelid tighter and give them more of a youthful appearance to their eyelid. Are there other types of eyelid surgery that you would perform? There are other types. I don't actually perform the ptosis repairs. Those are best done by my colleagues in oculoplastic surgery, but that is where you can take the muscle that elevates the eye, the levator, and you can advance that down to repair. You can also resect portion of the eyelid, the Mueller's muscle that's on the backside, that's kind of related to fight or flight. So when you're in a fight or flight situation, you have a lot of sympathetic innervation to the eyelid and actually opens the eyelid up so that you can see more. So you know where you need to run to or what you need to strike. Both of those are ways to deal with the position of the eyelid itself or what we call eyelid ptosis. So what's recovery like? I mean, that's gotta be, it's a very sensitive part of the body. How does the recovery look like? Bruising isn't uncommon. Most people are bruised for about one to two weeks. Ice is really their best friend postoperatively. You have them do ice, cold compresses, bags of peas, anything that can get some cold therapy to the area. Additionally, patients just want, want them to keep their head elevated for that first week. That helps with the swelling as well. But usually once they get through that first one to two weeks, the recovery is pretty straightforward after that. Does health insurance cover this type of surgery? Insurance will cover the bluff or the removal of the skin as long as they meet the criteria for obstruction of their superior visual field. And who's qualified to diagnose this kind of condition? Do I need to see my primary care provider or is this something an op optometrist can uh, diagnose? Yeah, either your primary care physician or your optometrist if you see one you know, regularly for glasses. Like myself, I see one because I, I wear glasses or corrective lenses. And if it's a thing that I'm complaining about, they are more than happy to do the test. Depending on the coverage for the test is just dependent on your you know, vision insurance, which I would bring up with your optometrist. How common are these conditions? It's quite common. It's just a natural process of, of aging that you see what we call senility or relaxation of the tissues in the upper eyelid. That is Midland plastic surgeon, Dr. David Yannick. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. And to learn more about MidMichigan Health's cosmetic surgery offerings, go to midmichigan.org slash plastic surgery. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon. We'll have another edition of Health Dose.